Hello everybody and welcome back to the Land of the Honest Week podcast episode 125. My name is Will Jones, joining me tonight as ever is Mr Tom Jenkins. Hello Tom. Hello Will, how are you doing mate? I'm very good thank you, glad to have you on again. Um, and also joining us tonight is a regular uh, too, it's James Jarvis. Hello James. Alright well, how's it going lad? Yeah not too bad, glad to have you on again as uh, as per with Tom. Uh, and also joining us tonight, making his debut on the Land of Venice Week podcast, to give him a warm welcome, it's Mr. Dan Sunder. Hello, Dan. What a welcome that was. Thanks, Will. Been a while since we've spoken. Uh, I'm sure you're all been pining to, to know where we've been, and unfortunately, it's just been me being lazy as ever. Uh, no, but we, we, we've struggled a couple of a couple of times, you know, trying to upload a, an episode here and there. But you know, we're, hopefully, we're, we're back to normal now. I know we say this every time. But, uh, you know, we're hoping that we'll, we'll be back to normal uh, from now. So, obviously, the last time we spoke uh, was post-Manic Monday. It was the transfer deadline day. We obviously did a lot of business that day. Uh, I think with the nine signings in, in total, uh, obviously with a few others that, that followed uh, in, in, the, in the following weeks. Um, and we then tried to record another post-Bradford in the Mickey Mouse Cup, but... Uh, Due to technical issues, that sort of never materialised, and, uh, and and sort of, I mean, we've since planned to record as well, uh, particularly on International Podcast Day, uh, but obviously there was a limited take up with that, and a, a very irrelevant game on TV between some uh, terrible Manchester team and a an equally shit one in London. Uh, I can't even bring myself to name them; it was that poor, and they're that irrelevant, really. Uh, but on a more irrelevant note, uh, we'll, we'll quickly run through the fixtures that we've missed uh, in, in the time that we've been away. Uh, so obviously with the uh, the Berry game, which obviously didn't happen sadly, um, and then the the six one loss at Rotherham, which needs no further comment, and I couldn't provide one if even if I wanted to because I was leathered. Uh, and since then, you know the, the results have gradually picked up somewhat. We had a we had a goalless draw at home to Oxford, another point at home to Sunderland, uh, and then you know obviously we were unlucky to take it, not to take three from that, uh, and now we're unfortunate loss at Fratton Park. Um, and obviously that put uh, an end to, well, a brief end to our diminishing of the, of the negative points tally. Uh, but we've six, since we picked that up, uh, you know, with a valuable point at home to Blackpool last night at the time of recording. Uh, gladly we've had minimal issues to talk about off the field as well, which makes a lovely change, bar one, which is a uh, massively divided opinion, particularly the kit. Uh, but we'll get onto that very soon. Uh, but firstly, Tom, we'll come to you. Um, firstly, how have you been? Uh, secondly, what, what, what do you think of the general situation and, and sort of where Bolton Wanderers is up to? I think we're in a much better position than we could possibly have hoped for, um, considering the start of the season. We have the kids that we had to play in the you know, terrible financial situation that we've had to deal with. Um, I believe that the injuries are going to end up costing us quite quickly, unfortunately, based on you know, the, the, uh, the multitude that we've managed to pick up, uh, the severity of them as well. Um, but the thing is, what we've managed to do in those opening games by blooding the youngsters is give people like Sonny Graham, who might have to deputise for uh, for Liam Bradcott now, the opportunity to get involved in the team and be able to step up and perform at a reasonable level. So even though we've got injuries, we've got a squad to pick from which is relatively strong, and the youth setup that's to pick from that's relatively strong. I just think give it a month or so when we've got the likes of Earl, the likes of uh, O'Grady. Hall possibly, and then maybe even Brickett or Buckley back. We've got a very, very competitive League One squad that could well get us out of this position. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you touched on there with with uh, Sonny Graham in particular, filling in for Liam Brickett, who unfortunately got himself injured last night. 
Um, you know, that, that's going to be a massive blow to our season, I think, or at least for the time being whilst he's out. Um, but, I mean, I think only the kids have been playing since we last spoke. So, obviously, we're, we're now at full speed. We've got a full squad playing. None of them featured during the Bradford game. But then, obviously, I think their first appearance was the... Was it the Oxford game or the Sunderland game? I think it was the Oxford one, wasn't it? Um, so, obviously, I, I'm sure every, all of our listeners are very keen Bolton fans. So, I'm sure you already know this. But I think our, our rough starting lineup now is it something along the lines of Remy Matthews, Josh Emmanuel... Uh, Jack Hobbs, uh, Jake Wright, I think when he's when, when he's fit. Obviously, Johan Zuma filling in when he's not, uh, and Chickson at left back, and then Jason Lowe and Bridcut uh, sitting in front of the back four, with Politic and Belinda on either side. Uh, Elliot Crawford in the number ten role with Daryl Murphy up front. Now, on paper, gents, I think that's a very encouraging lineup, isn't it? Really, in the grand scheme of things, considering that the uh, I think the oldest player about four weeks ago was about twenty, twenty-one, something like that. I mean, obviously things have changed drastically, and and you know what a first impression football ventures made, you know, you know on that deadline day. What what do we what do we make of that business specific, uh, specifically, Tom? Um, I think we've done very well for ourselves. I, I, as I said before, I think we've got a very very useful squad in there. Um, with covering most positions, that's the thing. You know, if it weren't for the injuries and everyone was playing fit and firing, I, I think we'd have certainly seen better results against Sunderland and Oxford, and maybe even last night. You know, that the kind of depth that we need to be able to, um, you know, turn those draws into wins. And so, you know, I, I'd like to think that, like I said, once we get our, our best players back, we'll be a very, very competitive team. It's just a shame that you know such a key player like Bridcut got injured last night. And uh, the depth that we have to fill those roles is suddenly diminishing at the moment with Buckley out and no new winger through the door. It mm. um, seems as though the Linden and politics are having to start week in, week out. And maybe the drop in their form or the slight drop in their form could be attributed to a bit of burnout. Absolutely. I think it is very much their show, isn't it, really? Anchored by Bridcott. I tweeted something similar last week. And, uh, you know, the two really promising talents and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see a lot more of their of their skills and, and, and you know, great performances, uh, you know, in, in, in weeks to come. Um, James, same two questions to you. The, the general situation at Bolton and, 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 and sort of the, the business done on deadline day. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I'd mostly echo Tom's sentiments about the whole thing. Um, I'd like to um, probably add on that I, I was really happy when I heard the news more recently that uh, Football Ventures are planning to pay off the debts from most of the creditors in the, in the coming month or months, something like that. But well, that was a really positive sign and figure once they get that out of the way, then that that cloud hanging over us from the Anderson era and, and beyond that will, will hopefully disappear and really start to focus to rebuild the club again and and the business that was done over the transfer window was just incredible. Managing to get a lot of the players to to leave the bigger clubs, like getting Bridcut especially, as we know, was a big coup, considering most people still consider him a championship-worthy player. Getting the likes of Daryl Murphy, Ali Crawford, etc. to cancel their contracts and, and join us, despite our, our past, shall we say. Mm. Just shows what how how credible this football ventures ownership seems to be coming across. And that's just is further accentuated by the interviews given by the likes of um, Sharon Britton and, and Keith Hill when he talks about the owners that he's had to work, he's working under at the moment. It's it's all incredibly positive. The only thing we've been missing so far, really, is just a, a win to really boost the mood. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think we've come on leaps and bounds, like you say, especially under the new reign of, of the Britons and the Bugards and the and the Jameses and whatever you want to call it. And, and Keith Hill as well, obviously we haven't spoken on him just yet. Um, so Dan, I'll come to you to speak on that one specifically. Um, same question to you really, you know, about how you're feeling about Bolton generally at the minute, the the, the transfer yeah. business and, and, and particularly the, you know, the new reigns and, and how well they've done. Yeah, I think really positive. I think we've noticed since Keith Hill took over, with the exception of the Rotherham game, shall we say, that we've noticed the fine margins in football. I mean, we've got the Oxford game where we could easily have been two or three up within the first 10, 15 minutes. Will Buckley at the bar. We've got Sunderland where obviously the last minute handball, which caused a bit of controversy, you know, that we could have won both of them. Portsmouth, again, we were on top for probably 60 minutes and then we decided to, you know, it, it, tiredness and fatigue kicked in. We could quite easily have been on the other end of that result. And then last night, really, was probably the only game, really, where we were cancelled out. And I think Blackpool turning up, setting up like that, gave us a huge compliment because I think they came for a point last night. I, I did. I, I think that they set up, similar to a Phil Parkinson's side, really, they set up, you know, well-organised at the back, was trying to hit people, trying to hit us on the counter-attack, which gave us a huge compliment last night that we're no longer the whipping boy in the league. I think, you know, initially, teams were expecting to turn up and just pick the three points up, whereas now with, with the players he's brought in, the way he's got us set up, and to you know to see the attacking intent of the team that we've not seen probably for five, six years is really, really good to see. To see you know two wingers pushing forward, you know, you've got Ali Crawford that's that's, that's working his nuts off behind, behind the front man, you've got Daryl Murphy, and to be fair to Will Buckley, he looks a completely different player now under Keith Hill, and I think we've got to give testament to both Hilly and, um, and Flicker, for, for, for what they've done in such a short space of time. Because at the minute, I think he said last night in his post-match, we're still four weeks into a six-week pre-season under Keith Hill, but unfortunately, we're, we're ten games into the season, so we're playing catch-up. Um, and I, I don't think anybody, you know, any, any realistic Bolton fan expects anything from this season. Staying up would be an absolute miracle, even now, 17 points adrift with, with more points to come. So it is a rebuilding process. We've got to give him time. The initial signs have been superb, you know, both on and off the field from the owners and the management team. And I think we've just got a, we, we, we've we've got the chance of a clean slate now. We've got a chance to, to rebuild and, and do everything properly. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I think they've done a fantastic job. You know, I, I still want at that to say we are playing catch up, as you say. And you know, they're, they're, I think there's a lot more to come in terms of what they can offer for the club. And and you know, obviously they, they've shown really promising signs in terms of the business that's been done. I presume they've had a lot of a, a well, a, a rather huge say in in who's coming and who's not. Um, you know, I, I, to say that the the results have been building. And you know we're obviously nearing that that win that we need so desperately is obviously really encouraging and and I think I, I can echo everyone in in just saying that you know I think we just do need that win to you know to get us off, off to a good run and and hopefully push on and get some some positive points on the board. Uh, but yeah, a little, a little impromptu appearance, Lucy Weir, everyone making a making a debut on the podcast. Uh, she is, I believe, our first ever female guest. Uh, so absolutely lovely to have you on. Um, I'd obviously, I come to you with, with the same questions that I've just asked the boys. Um, what, what, what are your general thoughts on on recent events at the club? You know, uh, the results, um, the transfer business, and and how the the new reigns of of the owners and the managers are doing. Well, um, hi everyone. First of all, um, I, I've made no secret of the fact that over the past year or so, under the old ownership, I completely fell out of love with the football club. Um, being involved with non-league meant that I had a better option of going to watch, have a good time and felt like I was part of something that wasn't ripping off really good people um, and watching people play football and actually enjoy it, not, not under a regime that was just crushing so many people's lives. Um, so 
when the takeover finally went through, I felt like a massive weight had been taken off my shoulders because I knew I could return this season and not sit there despising every minute of every game, knowing who owned our football club. So for me, performance-wise, it's absolutely fantastic. I've, I've won the game last Tuesday, I went last night to finally have something positive to look at. Whether we were playing absolutely terribly and being f- beaten 5-0, for me, it's just a positive to have a group of lads playing for Bolton, who want to play for Bolton and giving 100% every single game. And it's just refreshing. I mean, I couldn't care less if we finish rock bottom of the table. It'd be a positive for me to finish second bottom and still go down. Uh, Just to have a group of lads playing football for our football club, they're enjoying it, we're enjoying it. And to feel part of something again is just, it's a miracle after what happened over summer. So for me... I'm just happy. I'm just happy that we, we've got things to complain about again that aren't some con man from down south. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that was really well put in terms of, of how different things are now compared to, to what the previous regime offered, you know, or, or perhaps didn't offer to us. And uh, obviously glad that, that things have changed now and, uh, and we're well on the way to, to sort of being back to, to where we belong, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I think that's sort of all the, all the recent games covered. I'm, I'm I'm sorry you missed the first bit, Lucy. We're just talking on 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 sort of the the recent results, and uh, you know the, the lesson the less said about that, the better really, because uh, you know Blackpool was arguably the best performance since uh, since the the new squad's come in. Um, <coughs> just a just a quick note, obviously, since we've been away as well and and done our last podcast, something that we'd like to bring up, we'd like to send our best wishes to to Jack Dearden, who's uh, who's un- unfortunately been diagnosed with with, with cancer. As I believe it's a, a form of throat cancer, and uh, obviously, you know, we're wishing him really well on his recovery there because you know Jack's an absolute idol. He's a, he's an icon. I think everybody everybody's wishing him well and, and supporting him on his journey, and hopefully, he'll be he'll be back commentating if possible very soon because you know I think his commentary over some of the most recent clips. And particularly, you know, the Wilbraham goal and everything. I think it, it, it's something that would be that would be really missed if Jack was to stop commentating, um, let alone the rest. You know, so so best wishes to him there. I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that in terms of in terms of your your well wishing for for Jack. Oh yeah, well, obviously wishing well. Um, for me, it was heartbreaking the other night when I was listening to Radio Manchester on the way back from the Rochdale game to hear someone standing in for him. Um, it's just not right to not have him on my way home from games. Um, I think for a lot of our recent generation, Jack has been the voice of Bolton for a lot of us. So I really, really, really hope the best for him and that he can get back to doing what he does best for us. Yeah, absolutely. Boys, any, anything to add on that? I think um, it's obviously a very, very sad situation and Lucy's completely right. He's sort of part of the furniture when it comes to Bolton Wanderers media and, and all of that. I think, you know, the Aaron Wilbraham commentary is something that will remain iconic for years and years and years and cementing his legacy uh, alongside the club. So I wish him well, all the best and uh, hopefully positive news we'll hear soon and he'll be back commentating uh, before we know it. Absolutely well said, James. I really don't think I can add much more to what's already been said other than I, I, I did like listening to him. I always thought he wore his heart on his sleeve when he was commentating and didn't really leave, leave anything out when he, whenever he was doing his job. So I wish him the best and if possible, hopefully a speedy soon recovery and possibly hear him back on soon. Absolutely. Dan, I presume you echo that as well. Yeah, I completely echo everybody everybody said. I mean he's the he's the voice of Bolton Wonders <clears> as far as I'm concerned, you know, ever since going late nineties, early two thousands, right the way through it's always been Jacko. Uh, so like Lucy said, to not hear him this season is is odd, it's strange, but uh, we we completely understand why and we you know, the whole of Bolton's with you, Jacko. Um, get across to him, buddy. 
Absolutely, all the best, Jack, for from everyone on the podcast at Line of Industry and uh, and all the Bolton fans in general. Um, but back back to a, a, a lighter note. Obviously, we, we we've just spoken about the the recent results and and sort of building on that and and uh, hopefully making some progression and, and and getting a win on the board. Uh, next up's obviously Burton because we've uh, oh, sorry it, sh- it should have been Burton. It's uh, it's been postponed. Uh, luckily, only through uh, through an, an international call up, um, and, and and therefore you know Doncaster haven't haven't been on our backs too much over that. Uh, but obviously the, the next game then is Rochdale uh, again. Uh, obviously, I, I didn't mention our our Mickey Mouse Cup loss to them the other week because I just didn't feel like it was even worth mentioning to be honest with you. Um, I, I know a couple of you were there, Lucy. I believe you were there as well. Was there anything to note from that other than the the penalty shootout? Not really. No, uh, I thought. They obviously fielded quite a weakened size compared to, to normal. Um, um, the biggest thing we got out of it was our fans chanting Aaron Wilbraham for 90 minutes, so there wasn't much to note there. <laughs> yeah, obviously, he, he's, uh, he's, he's going to be making the appearance, I would have thought, again next Saturday, so I'm not sure what the reception will be like for him. I think it was a bit of a mixed one, actually, on uh, well, last night, actually, for, for the likes of Liam Feeney and Jay Spearing. I think I heard a, a, a mixture of applause and, and a few boos, uh, amazingly. Um, but, you know, I think both played played relatively well and I think everyone will, will welcome Aaron back providing that he doesn't score too many more against us uh, but yeah but in, in terms of that do, do we feel like we're, we're confident of a win obviously we've lost Brickup now um, I know he, he's obviously the, the sort of the backbone of the team at the minute but like, like Tom said at the very start obviously got the likes of Sonny Graham coming in you know do you think that that will make a difference and we, and we can hopefully get three points on the board Tom I'll come to you first um, I would hope so I think with two weeks to prepare is sort of another break that's come at a good time for us um, certainly I, I felt that when we had uh, when we had the break uh, before what was it the well, I can't remember now uh, was the Oxford game or Sunderland game possibly um, it, yeah, I think it helped sort of bed in the new signings and give them you know opportunities to play with each other and it, you know it came at a really really good time for us and, and I think this could as well you know could get players back from injury get people learning the, uh, the Keith Hill and the David Flipcroft system um, and while obviously I think we'll miss Bridcut, I think at least central midfield seems to be a place where we are quite well stocked. Um, I'd look forward to seeing James Weir come back, Sonny Graham possibly as well, uh, you know, with a bit more creativity in there. Uh, but I, I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit, or at least I mentioned a bit of burnout possibly for politics of Villenden. Hopefully the two-week break is just when they need to come back and tear Rochdale apart when they when they get the opportunity. Absolutely. I think those two particularly played <coughs> very well last night too. Um, James, anything to add to that in terms of, you know, based on last night's performance, what we can then expect going into Rochdale? Uh, well, well, based on last night, um, I would say that while Bridcoat is obviously a big loss because he's been absolutely sensational since he's come here, I'm honestly not that worried because, for for one, I think we've got a ready-made player ready to fill his position in Jason Law, who's just had a complete re- reinvigoration since... Keith Hill's coming. He's look. He looks a completely different beast from what we had last season. So I, I honestly think he can fill that position quite comfortably. And then, the, and then the remaining void that would have been filled by Law initially is completely up for grabs. Whether that's Graham Murphy, Weir, anyone, anyone really can claim that position as their own. It, it's just whether it. Thing, thing is this. I am worried about this injury list piling up because even after this international break, a lot of the players that are out still probably won't be back ready. Mid, possibly or graded, but I'm not entirely sure on that one. But So I really hope that during this international break, especially with Politic going over to going over with the Romanian and 21s, we really cannot afford 
another injury list. And even though the, even though it wasn't Mickey Mouse Cup, we still and we still did kind of lose to Rochdale in the end. So we can't underestimate them because they put on a good show against our our lads in in that match. So 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 we got to come in strong. Bridcuts Cut is going to be the last, like I said, but. If we continue the way we've been going, then there is no reason why we can't go and get there, get the win and whatnot. Absolutely, Dan. Anything to add to that? Based on last night, you know, is there, yeah. was there any standout performances that, that you think will, will help us get the win against Rochdale? Hopefully, yeah. I just think we're solid at the back. You know, I think Hobbs looks like a different player. I've touched on before. Buckley looked like a different player, and obviously, just to echo what the boys have said there, Jason Lowe as well. I think we're getting the best out of them now. And the win is round the corner. You know, I keep thinking the next game will win, will win. But something always seems to come in our way, whether it's the woodwork or an offside decision, a handball, or you know, all, last night well organised Blackpool side. But I think Rochdale haven't had the best start. Uh, all right, they, they, they've beaten us twice in, in in the cups, but I think that the league's a different animal. I think two weeks to prepare. Um, you know, the final two weeks of Keith Hill's pre-season, as he calls it, I think we're getting closer each week. And I do think that Rochdale will be the game where we pick up three points and. Hopefully, pick up a bit of momentum and, and, and get a bit of a, a winning run going because we've got a few fixtures coming up with Bristol Rovers, etc., where we could quite easily go on a three or four uh, game winning streak. Absolutely, yeah, Lucy. I believe you were there. I know you don't get to that many many, many games with your with your line of work, but you know what? What did you make of that? And, and do you think we'll be able to get a win against Rochdale? Uh, I would probably go as far to say as I expect us to get a win against Rochdale. We've played them recently. We know what style of play they're in we've we've experienced them um and i think as everyone said this win is coming and it just we just need one win to get us going again uh be a bit more clinical sort of in the box and it and it will come on on monday night well last night we looked good we had we had chances and opportunities to score it's just those finishing pieces now so this little pre-season we've got i think a few more weeks and we're there we're ready we should be getting three points and it'll just be amazing when we do yeah, definitely. I think listening to Keith Hill's interviews as well, he keeps he keeps hinting at the fact that you know that they're not up to speed yet, and it's still pre-season for him almost. And I think you know once we're up to speed, once we get that win, and and once they're up to a standard fitness-wise as well that he that he's sort of expecting of them, then I think he can almost classify it as as a real season because I think he he's sort of refusing to accept the losses and the jaws at the minute. And I can't imagine what it would be like at full time after a you know after a win. I just feel like he'd be he'd be going around the pitch, you know, knee sliding and what have you. But uh, he's certainly a character to watch. And I I mean that that's a talking point in itself. I think boys, you know, well I, 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 Tom and James particularly. I was going to come to you first on it. Um, you know, obviously Parky provided a very different style of play. Um, Keith Hill, you see a lot of the ball on the ground, which is, which is really encouraging to see. Um, is, is that something that, that you're happy? I, I know we've had many a discussion in the line of Vienna chat regarding, you know, Hill's sort of personality and, and the way that he deals with the team and, and you know, providing results are all right, then, then nothing else matters, does it really? I agree, but at the moment we're not getting results. So, you know, there's always criticism there. Maybe... maybe um, obviously, the, it, there was a knee-jerk reaction to try and get us more defensively solid, as, as Dan said, uh, because of all the bad results that we've had. And you know, he seems to have fixed that problem. But in doing so, has sacrificed all the free-flowing football that we saw, and um, certainly that first half against Oxford. You know, where we we tore them a new one um, with some brilliant passing, some great wing play, lots of attacking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And if Buckley could finish, we'd have been one 0 up or possibly two 0 up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just think that um, he's working on the right things first, 
um, under Parkey, there was always a bit of defensive stability or a focus on being solid at the back. But and, and complete sacrifice of uh, of attacking play. But I think Hill first and foremost wants to be an attacking team. Definitely. He's got the player to do that now. But obviously there has to be the point where you decide can we sacrifice it uh, or not, depending on what what team we're playing against. I think against Blackpool last night, he was pointed out Liam Feen. He's got ten assists this season. Got Player of the Month last um, last month. Uh, we're being crosses for Nandwe has worked really really well for them. So he decided to shut up shop, shut that down. And I think had we been more open and expansive, we probably would have been talking about a loss today. So I, th- I think he's working on the right things. And in time, with the players at his disposal, we'll see a good attacking side as well as a defensive, uh, solid defensive unit. But time isn't a commodity that we have an awful lot of. So it's just, you know, whether or not you can do it in time to save this season. Probably not. But, you know, it's a, it's a fun challenge to be able to be part of, I think. Yeah, you're certainly making a good go of it. James, I know you make a good case for, uh, you, know, you know, nothing else matters as long as the results are coming. And I know we're still awaiting the first win and I think we're very lucky not to have already had it. But, you know, in, in terms of, of Hill's management and whatever, are, are you relatively impressed despite the, the sort of slow start that we've had to the season? Is it sort of as best as we could have hoped for, do you think? Uh, well, before I get on to that, regarding Hill's interviews, well, well, they're certainly, well, they're certainly bizarre to put it mildly. Whatever he's doing just seems to be working. I mean, we, I mean, there was some possibly rightful criticism when he, when he publicly ousted Zuma for his mistake thing, but since then, Zuma has really started to kick on, and especially against Blackpool last night, he really put on a solid performance with it. And so whatever he's doing on the training ground or whatever he's saying to the players behind the scenes is clearly working. They're, they're buying into his philosophy, his ideology and the, the way he wants to play. And really the only thing miss, the, the only thing missing from it, like, like we said before, is goals. But once that front line have opened the floodgates, then, we, then I really think we're going to start firing up this league personally. But yeah, um, Regard, there are bits of stuff that still need work on. I'm ho- I'm hoping that um, he can start drilling in to the Linden and politic when to release the ball a bit more or when to be alert for that. There's little there's little things that he just need to work on besides the preseason fitness. But I'm sure that'll come with time, more time to work the players and. Yeah, hopefully that that Rochdale win is just around the corner. But what's really more important is. Uh, the goals because we've scored just two goals under him three if you count the Mickey Mouse Cup <laughs> and, and none of them have really been spectacular well I suppose you count the Lindens but it was in a 6-1 drubbing so does that really count? <laughs> no it doesn't yeah, so, so, so once we get like a goal from open play say like a nice cross to Murphy to slot in or, or just a nice shot from the edge of the box by like Crawford or mm. or whoever really a proper goal like that, and then I think we'll really see what this team can start doing against any team in this league. Definitely, Dan. I know I give you a bit of uh, gave you a bit of a free reign on on Hill before, but now we're, we're sort of specifically talking about him and, and his management style and and sort of the way he is and his presses and everything. You know what what have you made of his, his start to life at Bolton? Yeah, I can't really argue with what James and Thomas said really about about the goal situation. You know, every goal we've scored has been from a set piece. If you if you if you can class for Lindens as a set piece as well, so I think yeah, we, we need we, we need goals. I think obviously Murphy now is getting up to speed. Or Grady's on his way back. We've brought in uh, uh, Dadu, so you know you'd like to think that the goals are around the corner. We've definitely got the players to to be able to provide the goals. 
Um, it's just a case of, you know, we need a bit of luck. Blackpool defended last night. There was a couple of situations where I think that the defender slid in and, 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 and cut out. You know, I thought they defended really well. They, they cut out, you know, a few opportunities for Murphy where he got on the end of a few crosses, but it just didn't fall last night. And I think, on, you know, goals will come. And I think against Rochdale, I think that's, you know, another couple of weeks of working in working with the squad and working with the players and getting them fitter, I, th- I think it will come. I mean, you know, he, he said at the at the recent Q&A that he did that he's just creating this philosophy that he wants people to buy into and he wants people to fall in love with the club. So, you know, you create a philosophy where players can leave, but they don't want to, you know. So, you know, if we're down and out by December, January, which, you know, might be a high, you know, high possibility that players like Bridcourt and Murphy and people that we brought in and given opportunities to don't want to leave. So, you know, it is a work in progress. He is right with what he says. His, his colourful interviews, probably more colourful than his chinos that he wears, to be honest with you. But he's, um, <laughs> it, it, it is right what he says, that it, it's a work in progress. And for him, we almost need to write this season off for Keith Hill. You know, if, if, we, if we stay up, it's a miracle. I, I, I personally don't think we will. I think eight, 17 points adrift now with arguably six, potentially 12 points thrown at us for the fixtures we've, we've not um, fulfilled. So he just needs this season to work, uh, build what he's got. You know, there's you know there's arguments to say if we're down and out by by January, does he clear the decks and start building for League Two? We'll, we'll just have to see. Definitely. But I think goals, you know, in, in terms of what the other two have said, are pivotal, and you know, results are what we're judged on, and people want to see goals and results. So you know, at the minute, Bolton fans have got a lot of patience with what we've been through over the last three years, but we are a fickle lot. And if we've not if we've not won probably by the end of November, people will start to moan and groan again. So I think uh, we do need to get that result. I think there's always a, a place for moaning and groaning, isn't there? I think we've had plenty of it on on social media, you know, particularly this week with one thing and another. But I think Twitter's one of those places where it, it's definitely open for debate and it, it's different opinions at the end of the day. And I don't see how people are moaning at people for moaning. You know, it, it just seems ridiculous nowadays. But you know, I think it, it, Hill's never going to please anyone, particularly when the results aren't coming. But hopefully, you know, once they do, he's going to get somewhat of a, a, a reassurance from the fans. I think he's already got them on side with his, you know, his personality and whatnot. But I think as soon as the the results are coming, I think that'll solidify it. Lucy, anything to add on that in, in terms of Keith Hill and, and, and even Flick Crawford as well? Well, just the guy kind of like uh, represents everything you want in a manager who you want to bring everyone together. He's a bit of a nut job, but he's got character and personality that everybody kind of thrives off. Uh, he's fantastic to listen to and he, he was the right guy to bring in in terms of trying to bring in a group of players that he believed would just play for the club and if they're not playing for the club and they are playing for their own career in the future then they're going to need to perform this season so for me even if they're not that bothered about playing for Bolton Wanderers they're going to want to impress because if one of those players can play unbelievably for us in the situation we're in and get us a few points here or there or get us a few goals and that's a statement on how good of a player they are for this league and someone will pick them up um so I don't I don't necessarily think his philosophy on the players wanting to stay with us is is that important but I do get where he's coming from um his football is is nice to watch. It's actually nice to watch a Bolton Wanderers team playing positive football. Uh, it's not happened in quite a long time, <laughs> so it's enjoyable to watch. And I, I think this. I'm all. I'm hoping that this Dodu will be the missing piece um, in our attack, and that him and Murphy can kind of kick on and get us a few goals in there. So it'll be interesting to see if that partnership grows and whether we can get anything out of the two of them. 
Definitely, I think you've raised a good point with Dudu then. Um, you know, Torin Edges, I know, I know you've spoken a lot about him in the chat about him and how important a sign he will be. I think Eddie made a good case for him as well. Um, but, but, you know, he made a great impression last night, almost making an incident in the backs with a, with a header from a corner, which everyone seemed to think had, had gone in, um, but unfortunately hadn't. You know, he, he seems to be a real threat, you know, in terms of his aerial presence and, and, and so on. You know, do, do you think he'll be the one to, to sort of start start bagging, you know, sort of on a, on, on a relatively regular basis? Tom, come to you first on that. Oh, sorry, I, I thought you were talking to James. Um, I, I sort of seem to be putting us into the same bracket anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm much better looking, much cleverer. <laughs> you won't say that. You won't say that. <laughs> right, regarding to do, um, I'm not sure if he'll be the missing piece, but um, he's definitely a different option up front compared to Murphy and or Grady when he, when he eventually comes back. Plus, from what we saw at Blackpool, he's, he's seemingly being able to play on the wing, or, or whether that's just a utilization of his pace, it, it remains to be seen. But. So, but I did like his little cameo against Blackpool. Two very close chances. The header, like you mentioned, and also a shot across goal that just went agonisingly wide. It would have been a dream debut to score against this former club, but, you know, alas, it wasn't to be. But, yeah, a few more cameos like that, and and he could really prove to be quite a shrewd signing, especially one that came quite late. I thought we'd have signed him back in September, but now, well, it doesn't matter when he's here as long as he starts producing the goods. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I think he's he's going to be a real real asset, you know, to the club, and hopefully he'll, he'll start bagging very very shortly. Um, Dan, you know, what, what what did you make of his, his debut, uh, you know, appearance last night? And do you think he'll be he'll be the one to sort of get get us on the on a winning streak? Yeah, I do. I think he was lively. You know, he's got some pace. He, he he knows where the net is. You know, he had a few attempts last night, which you know were, were promising signs for us. And I think I agree with Lucy there. I think he, he could be the missing piece. We've got the target man with Murphy. We've not seen O'Grady yet. You know, Dudu could be the guy that runs onto Murphy's headers and, you know, be the Lafondra that we, that we needed that, that that knows where the net is that that, that can find the um, find the goals that we're missing at the moment. So hopefully, once he gets up to speed again, he's not played much football since last season, so he's going to take a bit of time to get up to fitness. But you know, as as the boys touched on before, we haven't got much time. It's not on our side, given we're already ten games into the season. So. He's got to find his fitness. He's got to find his uh, his eye for goal uh, quickly. But I do think that it, it was a good signing uh, when they announced it last week. Definitely, yeah. No, I, I think everyone seems to approve of it so far. You know, I've heard quite a few people singing his praises even after you know a quick 10-15 minute appearance. And I think you know, despite the pressure that will perhaps be now heaped on him next week. I'm sure it'll produce the good sooner rather than later, um, or here's hoping anyway. Uh, but yeah, ju- just sort of referring back to back to social media a minute because I think we we've sort of covered everything in, in terms of on, on the field matters. Um, but very close to to the field is obviously the the, the ground and and uh, sort of season tickets. They were they were sort of you know shipped out to to, to fans uh, over the last couple of weeks and they were there active for, from last night so it obviously it dragged in a, a really impressive crowd considering it was a TV fixture of, of 14,000 and obviously a, a massive topic, a topic of debate over the last few weeks has been uh, the, the decision to keep the upper stands open um, Tom, I, I, I know you're absolutely dying to, to talk about this, so again I'll come to you first <laughs> on it um, you, I, I know you made a strong case for, for you know in keeping the atmosphere of just opening the, the lower tiers but do you think it's it's perhaps on a you know a, a sort of sympathetic basis that that some fans will be able to keep their upper their upper tier seats or or, or what really. The thing is, as, as a younger fan, 
and I'm sure you know others of you can can relate to this. It's you want to be there. You want to be there singing for the team. You want to be chanting. You want to have a good atmosphere, and it does seem to make an awful lot of difference. I certainly remember the Coventry game um, when everyone was in lower tiers. The noise when those boys ran onto the pitch um, was absolutely fantastic, and obviously amplified because everyone was so close together. Having said that, I've always sat in the upper tiers myself. Um, and we'll, we'll continue to do when when I go to games, um, just because I like being able to uh, to watch the game from that position. And my dad is exactly the same, and the people who sit around us will have been sitting in those seats um, for you know probably their entire time at the Reebok, so 20, 21 years now. And I I completely understand where they're coming from, why they wouldn't want to lose the seat that they got so used to. I had a conversation on Twitter with uh, with Liam Hatton at Trotter's blog where he made the suggestion that for fans who wanted to be in the upper tiers, possibly away from all the you know the crazy corner fans or other <laughs> fans who you know were chanting a lot of the time, maybe open one tier, one upper tier, possibly just above, maybe in the West End. So people who want to sit in upper tiers can, but it doesn't detract from the overall atmosphere when the vast majority are then in the lowers, which could be something that they explore. I think it's a very sensible thing that they've done in terms of you know having the opportunities open now and then making a decision at the end of the season um, you know, based on how many tickets are sold, what position we're in and whether or not fans have decided it's the right course of action. Um, we'll, we'll see, but you know I'll probably continue to sit in the upper tiers as long as they're open. Yeah. But from a younger fans' perspective, I can probably get why you'd want to be in the lower tier and you know really feel like you're a part of it. Yeah, I, I think there's Would an argument. Be... Sorry, go on. Sorry, sorry. I'll just pose a question to Tom there. Would you be adverse to you know, and upset if they decided to close them and you guys had to move. How would you feel on that? Um, it would probably upset my dad and the other people who sit around more than it would upset me. Um, because, you know, going to a home game, I think you pick out a seat where you've got a reasonable view anyway. So it's not like, you know, you're an away fan and then sometimes your view of the pitch is terrible. I think it just it's slightly improved and it's a bit more calm up there. Um, I would still, it wouldn't stop me from buying a season ticket, God no. Um, and I don't think it would for a lot of people. But I think if you, if there is, we've got such a nice ground where we can have people in, you sit in a, in a lot more comfort. And if they want to do that, I think they probably should have the right to do that. But it wouldn't affect yeah. me personally, no. No, no, no. I think there's a good argument for, for either side, really, because I think as we saw with the Bradford game, you know, there's a really good turnout, and again, that was midweek, and we ended up having to open more more stands than than we thought was necessary. And again, obviously, we didn't completely fill it anyway. But I, I think on the basis that there was 14 there last night, and and you know, obviously, there was plenty watching on TV and what have you, and, and it was obviously a, a cold and well, somewhat rainy uh, Monday night. You know, I, I think it sort of suggests that there will be a good. Perhaps fifteen or sixteen on, a, and and should the should the results come, perhaps seventeen on a regular basis. Um, so I, I think there's definitely a strong case for for the open, for the upper tiers having to having to be open on, you know, considering that I think otherwise you'd be a little bit short and you'd you'd have the endless queues as we saw for those couple of games at, at the start of the season. James, I believe you're a, a lower tier, aren't you? What 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 are your what's your take on this? Yeah, I've been a lower tier since I've started coming in uh, two thousand two, so. Um, I've had 17 years being in the low tier and that's just my personal preference Like, I, I'm sure if the reverse were true for me like I've been in upper tier all my life I'd probably be slightly upset about having to move into lower tiers if they were closed off but I, I think that's the only real argument it's more sentiment, sentimentality is the only real argument for keeping the upper tiers open but see it's hard because I get why they'd want to keep that, that sentimentality, keep the positivity around the club, and keeping fans happy is part of the key to that. So keeping the upper tiers open for that, but 
you can tell from when we had the um, the lower tier, just the lower tiers from the Bradford game, just how much of a significant impact that made on the atmosphere. It was just so much more lively. Whether that might have just been also the lads wanting to support the boys on their first home appearance under the Hill regime, that might have just added to it. But um, I, I just thought it made a significant difference and I'd be more of an advocate for shutting the upper tiers. But I completely understand why. But the boys raise up a good point, especially when Tom brought up Liam Hatton's point regarding just keeping one tier open um, for those who do keep the preference because it still keeps that concentration of fans where we could possibly still get an atmosphere going and not only um, also financially makes sense reducing staffing costs without having all those other tiers open but it would also keep the atmosphere strong especially if like you say if results improve and the style of football continues and it keeps joining in more fans then that's certainly an option to explore but yeah I think like you say it's going to go on yeah, no, no, I was just about to say, but for now, I'd, me personally, I would have kept the the upper tiers closed, but I, I can see why they're buying the time to make that decision. I, it makes sense from that point yeah. of view. I think, like you said, it's a, it's a very sentimental decision, and I think even if you were to open just one of the tiers, you know, you're still going to have people complaining because, you know, it's perhaps not the one that they used to sit in, and, and I can see why, you know, particularly if you've been sat there since the opening of the ground, then it, then it's fair enough to, a, to to an extent, I guess, but it's just whether or not you, you deem an atmosphere more important than than, than somebody might not, you know, come again as a result of the, of not having the, the same seat, which I do think is a little bit, you know, up in the air with that one. Um, Dan, I'm not sure where you sit, particularly which 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 side of the fence are you on? I'm a, I, well, I've got a foot in both camps, really, because okay. through the Premiership days when I went with the uncle, I was north and upper, because uh, I like watching the build-up and watching okay. the game from that position. But since um, my son started to come with me, um, he wanted to be in the lower tier to be closer to the players. So we moved into the West Lower. Um, so I've had I've had views from both. Um, I think completely on the fence, to be honest with you. I think if the club decided it was better for atmosphere, um, for the team and for the you know for, for running costs and everything in general, if I was an upper tierer, uh, shall we say, I would I would move if if it meant the club were saving money and the atmosphere was going to be better. But I completely get it for those that have always sat there. And I think if I'd have always been in the North Upper and I'd not moved, I think I'd have been a little bit inclined to move. But I think given the last few years, at the minute, I'm just kind of whatever suits the club uh, yeah. because we're, we're lucky to have a club. So, you know, if it means that we, we save a load of dosh by shutting all the top tiers and saving all the electricity and the staffing costs, then, then I'd run with it. But if it's not going to be much difference and they're happy to keep them open then again completely fine at the minute I'm on Rose Ed in the lower tier so I've kind of got the best of both again um, yeah. so bit of a meme again, <laughs> there's an argument from both sides you know I completely see Tom's uh, Tom's side of things where they've sat there and his dad's always sat there but you know again I can see James's as well so I'm completely on the fence. I've got yes. splinters in my backside. <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> one. I, th- I think it, it's a good way to see it that you know having an open mind on it and and sort of be, being open to to the the option of perhaps you know shutting them off if it's if it's more cost effective. Um, but you know perhaps it, 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 if the club see it you know possible to or feasible rather to to keep them open then then so be it. Lucy, where where are you sitting on this? Well, I uh, I had this argument quite a few years ago. I think it was like 2016 or something. Um, oh, yeah. When we, we had a few rumours that it was going to happen and we were going to shut the upper tiers. Mm. Um, and my opinion was shut them because it's a waste of money, as in staffing costs with the, the little amount of people that sit up there. 
Um, and again, my opinion was the atmosphere is better when that lower tier is just packed full of people. Uh, but I, I did have the conversation with someone who had his granddad's old season ticket seat in an upper tier and it was highly, highly sentimental to him. Mm-hmm. So I, I can appreciate where people are coming from with that. But again, if it was me and I was asked to move from my season ticket seat in the upper tier and I still wanted to watch Bolton Wanderers, I'd still go and mm-hmm. sit somewhere else. I wouldn't. It wouldn't bother me ridiculously. I'd probably be a, a bit annoyed about it to start with, but... I'd move and get used to it if it meant that the club was saving money and it improved the atmosphere and the backing of the lads that are on that pitch. Definitely. I think there are several factors to it, aren't there, really? You know, if, if there's no sentiment to it, then I think it's more likely that you'd be open-minded on it. But perhaps, you know, if there was a reason specifically that you wanted to sit somewhere due to the fact, you know, perhaps a family member's always sat there or somebody who is lately passed or, or, or come what may, you know, I think perhaps there's an argument for it. And I think, you know, it's perhaps in the club's best interest to consider everybody's everybody's state on that. And, you know, even if it does cost a few extra quid a year, then then that's fine. But the fact that they've kept them open this year says to me that they can, that it is feasible to them. So, I mean, I mean, let's hope that's the case. And, you know, if the crowds start coming, then then hopefully, you know, they'll disperse into the upper tiers as well. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to take away the, the concentration that currently is in the in the lower tiers, but I'm just hoping that it'll be full all around eventually and, and, and we'll sort of get close to capacity again. Um, but again, that, I think that's a big ask until you start getting towards, you know, Championship and Premier League level. But we'll see. Um, another topic which is obviously a, a hot debate at the minute, uh, very prominently as, as of its release yesterday, is the new home kit. Um, Tom, again, I'll, I'll come to you first on it. No, no preferential treatment whatsoever, but it, it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do want to make that clear. Uh, but obviously we, we had an in-depth conversation about it in the chat once again yesterday. Um, I, I think I sort of know your views on this, but I, I think it's growing on a few people, isn't it? What, what do you think? It has grown on a few people, and I, I would include myself in that. I don't, I'm not as massively against it as I was yesterday. I think that comment in the chat when we saw the first picture was, "Oh my god, what the hell is that?" Um, <laughs> which I think was similar to a lot of people's, um, because it just it just looked like it had been thrown together. You know, the kind of thing that would be created on paint on online on, on the computer or something. <laughs> you know, with just smatterings of, of silvery, you know, sparkly nonsense everywhere. But it, it doesn't look that as bad. Is it not Brexit enough for you, Tom? Sorry. <laughs> Is it not Brexit enough for you? All, all sparkly and. No, seriously, I think I think if you looked at it in, when they were playing in it last night, didn't actually look all that bad. I think that, that there's been a hell of a lot going on there's a lot there if you know what I mean yeah. it's not like a quite that bog standard kit last year I like the kit which had the, the different fades of, uh, of white in stripes on the shirt um, I thought that looked quite nice but and but on first impressions everyone thought it was terrible it's grown on a few people end of the day it's a kit I'm more worried about who's wearing it than I am what they're wearing definitely I think they're, they're, there's more serious things to be concerned about isn't there really but on the basis that it is relevant and we are going to talk about it and we are talking about it we're going to do it anyway <laughs> um, so to- uh, sorry not Tom James uh, I'm getting bored of you now Tom wow. um, <laughs> James what's your opinions on the kit have they changed over the last 24 hours at all or do you still think it's terrible uh, I sit on the fence that it's still a terrible kit. Um, yeah. so, sorry, sorry, Sharon, don't hit me, please. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm I'm still not convinced. I don't have as big an issue with the home and bargains logo as some other people like may have. I mean, it doesn't really go with the kit, but at the end of the day, that's oh, that's a billion-pound investment there. Being a mate of Michael James, Tom Morris, he's willing to invest that 
money to sponsor our kit, so that's a positive from that side. So even though the logo doesn't quite go with the shirt, I'm happy that, that someone significant like that is willing to invest his money into us. Um, I'm, I'm, de- I'm definitely not a fan of that established in 1877. I get the sentimentality behind it, but I just think it just looks tacky on the kit. I'd rather... I'd rather have the Infinity apparel, like the actual kit makers mm. brand on there. I don't mind that. I, pre- I prefer it to Macron. Yeah, but that, I, yeah, I don't I think it looks like a logo that you'd see on the front of a meat shop on Bradshaw Gate. It looks awful. I get, yeah. I, I get what you mean so with the twirls. Very well put. On your shirt says to me they're ashamed of producing that kit for us because they don't even want to have their name written on the shirt that they've made for us some Leeds fans made that taking the piss out of us and thought let's give a really crap looking shirt that's that's my opinion no matter how Lucy, bad our shirts made is what Will wears all the time <laughs> <laughs> right. right, it's my daily attire <laughs> yeah getting, getting back to the shirts but um, my biggest problem actually with the shirt is actually the way the badge has been put on itself it's it's that silvery spikely mess like tom pointed out and it just really really does not go with the rest of the kit like the silvery stuff completely goes against the shade of white that the kit is and it stands out it looks like it'd wash off wash off after one cycle through the washing machine it that just does not look good but like people say at the end of the day we big money investor in the kit and from afar it doesn't look that bad but that's only because you can't really notice the minor details that make it look like crap but um yeah we've got a kit i suppose uh, and it's actually it? and it's and it, yeah it's better than nothing and they're actually willing to sell it for a considerably lower amount compared to what we've had in the past i know so i approve of that drive sales yeah that, i think that that's a very strong point you made there james you know i'm glad that that the, the price has been lowered and, and obviously in, in terms of a pressure at least they claim that it's you know, just just to make it more affordable for fans, and I'm I'm sure that that is the case. But again, I'm I'm sure there's still you know plenty of room for a, for a profit margin in there for them. Uh, but you know, ne- nevertheless, it, it's an encouraging sign again to it to have lowered the price. It's always thinking of the fans, I guess, isn't it? So you know that that's nice to see. And and like you said on the home bargains thing, I think despite it perhaps looking a little bit tacky or, or you know making it you know a bit of a meme on on Twitter or whatever, I think it's worth it considering that it's actually quite a big brand. You know, it, it, it it's very reputable. You know, and it, it it's got a lot of money behind it. So at the end of the day, I don't I, think I it's mean, actually yeah, it's that. Home and bargains, but home and bargains is also a million dollar company. So exactly. Like, yeah, it looked crap on the front, but secretly rich. So business-wise, we are rich, Like, let's be honest. But uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on the kit? It's certainly a grower. I mean, yesterday uh, we've got a little group chat on uh, on Twitter where I absolutely went to town on it yesterday. Uh, I, think I, I think we all did. I expected I expect better. I expected, a, you know, I think I've pinned my hopes on New Balance or something like that. I don't know why I was living in a dream world. But, you know, for me, it's not just about the kit. It's the training wear as well. And, you know, in recent years, we've just got it so wrong. We even yeah. had Adidas and we managed to mess that up. Um, you know, all the Adidas training wear was crap. The Macron's been crap. So it's a revenue stream that I think they failed on. I do, I think. Uh, but I hope it's just a short-term fix that somebody had to step in between October and May. Um, that, and the big companies weren't prepared to do that. They wanted two, three-year deals where we want to see where we are come May. Uh, I'd like to hope that, you know, it is just a short-term fix. We needed a kit. We couldn't change the design too much, I believe, because we'd already submitted the white shirts and blue sleeves so it had to be down them lines the away kit has to be yellow because we've already submitted that so 
I'm I'm hoping more than expecting that there's um, there's reason behind picking these guys uh, to do the kits. Um, oh. it, it doesn't look as bad from afar, you know, like the boys said, but it, it isn't something I'd pick. You know, what's wrong with plain plain white with white shorts and white socks? What's wrong with that? No, I think yeah, it's in a kit. I think one of the best kits we've had in recent years was the was was the Akocha plain white with the, with, with the black and red stitching. It's just simple. It's what people want, and you know, social media. You see, everyone's calling for the um, the retro kits to come back. You know, the, the red and blue stripes as an away kit, or the yeah. you know the, the the old Umbro one with the Umbro down the sleeves. I'm not saying it needs to be Umbro, but let's you know, the, one of the best kits over the recent years. I know we've we've made a mess of it. Was the 97 98 triangle? You know, that it's, it, people like that. I don't really wear the shirt. It's it's more for the training wear for me because I you know a hoodie or a pair of trackies or whatever, but. The fact that we've got this 1887, yet yeah, you know there's other teams. You know, even the local cricket club I play at have got Nike. So why can't Bolton Wanderers got have Nike or a New Balance or a Puma that that has reputable gear that yeah. people will buy? And I think they've missed a trick in terms of everyone's jumped back on the Bolton wagon with season tickets and and fallen in love with the club again. And I think all part of that would be having you know the training wear, the kits, the shirts, and I just think that. It was a bit of a, a bit of an anticlimax, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, so two things. Sorry, I'd like Quantum. to jump in and say there. One, the Akocha kit, absolutely spot on. I, I bought. One it's just of the bought one. It, it loves to gloat me. It gloats I know, me about but I've it. got to. I've got to. It's a fantastic <laughs> shirt, and I'll be wearing it for the foreseeable. I'll buy also, it The second thing was the training kit did prove quite popular, but only with the Anderson family. Oh. Well, yeah. Well, while we're still on the subject of kits, I'd like to bring up something that we didn't really cover, but um, Dan brought up the point about the away kit, and I'm sort of dreading it when it comes out, because it, obviously it has to stay yellow for reasons, I'm guessing, because FIFA can't be ice changing our kits or something like that on the game, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yes, it's definitely yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, that that's coming out well, before uh, Bristol Rovers, and so uh, just for well, just yeah, for context. Yeah, it has to. Here. But 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 considering the home kit did not go over well initially, I'm I'm worried what the away kit's going to be like. To be honest, but who knows? Maybe they'll pull off a trick. Don't yeah, expect much, James, so. and then you'll be uh, <laughs> you'll be disappointed. But I think <laughs> over recent years, that's planning for failure. <laughs> Well, it has. It's just been disappointment after disappointment with kits for me over the last few years. I just think we've we've made a mess of it. You know, when we got Adidas, I was excited, and then we ended up with that big orange splodge in the middle of it. So, uh-huh. but in terms of you know one main point, you know that I think it's already been mentioned that the fans don't have an issue with home bargains. It could say dog shit valley for me across the front, providing the <laughs> providing the putting money and investment in. You know, we we had University of Bolton that gave us nothing. It was just a partnership. At least now we've got an investor and a sizable investor. That's best buds with Michael James. I'm happy for own bargains. It doesn't bother me. No, it really doesn't bother me, and I don't think it bothers the majority of fans. It, it could say Aldi for all I can. I'm, I'm really not bothered about that. No. It's I, all about who's in it and and the money behind it for me. And I think it's a very it's clever, clever move, actually. Interesting, isn't it? Though that the quick quid thing went down so badly then, because you know clearly that was considered. Yeah, a, that was a moral hazard, wasn't it? Yeah. But I, th- I think in terms of a brand, it's actually a very clever move, and especially getting it ready for the TV game as well. You know, I was talking to someone in the commercial department after the game, and they said, you know, they they, they made the best efforts to get it all ready for for today. You know, and, and obviously, I don't know if you know, it's the advertising board, so there was plenty of New Balance on the uh, New Balance, sorry, Home and Bargains on there as well. You know, I think they made a special effort to well. get there. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I, I believe there is some sort of a partnership there with New Balance. 
However, it's more cost effective to have the S1877 on the shirt. Um, I'm not not too sure as to what the details are on that, but I do believe that, it, that New Balance are somewhat involved, whether it's just where it's manufactured or, or, or what have you. But uh, there is a yeah. connection there, but I'm, I'm not going to tease you too much. Uh, I, I'm not going to pretend I know it any more than, than anybody else on it, because I don't. But uh, yeah, Lucy, what are your thoughts on it? I just wouldn't buy it, because I don't like it. And I think a lot of people... I like that, and they've missed out on that ch- that chance of having a kit that came in. It was a decent manufacturer, no matter what the sponsor on it, and it really screamed new era, fantastic new kit. Even if they had some cheesy little quote written on the back collar of the neck, like I, I would have bought it if it was a, a brand, a lovely kit supplier, mm-hmm. and a nice looking shirt, or if it if it, as we say, went back to our retro era and was like a shirt representing a really good period of Bolton Wanderers history. Um, and I just won't, will not buy that kit, and I, I don't like it. I think it looks it's a bit cheap. too much of a quote for the back of the shirt, that Lucy. It was. It was <laughs> I it thought you were going to say what the quote was, and you carried on. I was like, "Bloody hell, it's a big quote." This. No. I think they've missed out because a lot of people won't buy a shirt if they don't think it's very nice. People don't buy a shirt because it's the shirt of the club they support. People will wear ones from previous seasons, and I think that's coming more and more recent in recent years that people prefer to wear retro shirts. So yeah, they've yes. missed out in that chance i know it says a lot something lovely it, it does yeah and i think you know dan when you picked up on the fact that that okocha shirt was perhaps the best one and and, and and how nice it'd be to have a playing kit like we have you know for the first few games and i think you know you'd be asking a lot for it to be playing just because i think you know sponsors come first and i, I you know on, on closer inspection i seem to think that you know just just above the or rather below uh the the numbers on the on the players shorts i think there's a little bit of a sponsorship on there too i'm not sure whether it's the the s1877 I couldn't quite see on it, but they seem to be taking up a, a, a lot of sponsorship space wherever they can. So, you know, if it's cost effective, then so be it, and it makes them it makes us rich. Then uh, I'm I'm all for it. But uh, yeah, it, it, I think that that pretty much covers everything. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm just going to touch. I, I think we, we, we've we've said plenty on it already in terms of the ownership, and I know Dan, you briefly touched on it in terms of you know how popular the uh, the merchandise has been with with the owners' families and what have you. You know what? What? What's, what? What have you made of them? Because I know uh, over the last couple of weeks and whatever since since they've come in, there's obviously been a somewhat of a disappointing likening to to our previous regime, particularly in in form of the Britons, which I think you know I I think, I think immediately should be a uh, you know should should be got rid of because I think there is no likeness there whatsoever. I'm not sure if you agree on that, but um, I, I think. To be honest with yeah, you, there's plenty of class there. I, th- I think they're a completely different outfit who, who's, uh, whose intentions are very, you know, very different. You know, they, they've absolutely no intentions of, of gaining any popularity. You know, that's that's not what they're there for. I think they're just happy to be there. I think the the great lads haven't spoken to them briefly last night, and and hopefully they they're going to prove a lot a lot of fans very wrong because uh, you know I, th- I think the mum's already doing a fantastic job, and, and no disrespect to. To Emma Bugard and Michael James, but I think they've sort of taken centre stage on it, and and it sort of split split the fans a little bit. What 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 are your thoughts on that? No, I think it's a it's a breath of fresh air, it really is. I think you know she spoke well last night on Sky. Uh, you know when I got back, I um, I listened to it, and you know she says that, that they're all proud of being uh, at Bolton. And Michael James, a lifelong Bolton fan. Um, Emma Bogard was at the Q and A. She spoke really well that you know that it is an honour for them. You know that they haven't come in with, with any underlying agenda like our previous lizard did um but 
you know, they, they, they really want to move the club forward. They've they, they, they've taken an opportunity that they've they've saved us from from the abyss. Uh, they might not have massive amounts of money, but they'll go and get the investment. They'll run the business the right way, and they'll start it again from the ground up. But it, you know, it is a mammoth job because you know at the Q and A, she was saying the amount of work that still needs to go on. You know, whether it be at the hotel or at the football club, I don't, you, you know, the obvious things that people want are the stadium being washed and 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 the stanchions being repainted and the badges all being brought to life. But that's the bottom end of the priority list. The first thing was to bring the manager in; they've done it. Second thing, bring players in; they've done it. Season tickets, they've done it. Kits, they've done it. They were the top four or five priorities. The rest will all take care of itself. I mean, we've still got Macron on the seats that need to be taken out, but that, that that's not important. You know, we've still got the old logo with with, with, with the with the, the the ribbon on it on the carpets in, in the corporate suites and on the windows of the of, of the balconies. You know, on, on into the uh, into the seating areas. Again, it's all small things that need to be done, and they will get done over time, but. At the minute, there's higher priorities on there in terms of filling the hotel corporate rooms over Christmas because no one had booked Christmas parties with the uncertainty. So that's a revenue stream. I think Suzanne from the hotel said at the Q and A that you know that that can arguably bring in a few million quid that Premier Suite. And normally, you know, it's it's chock a block. But you've even had Jason Lowe sat on the phone ringing up local businesses trying to book Christmas parties in and you know concerts and all that sort of stuff where you know. The Elton John one was it Elton John that Rod Stewart it was, weren't it? That um, yeah. was on that. You know, it was a miracle that that happened. But you know, kudos to Suzanne and the staff and, and the owners and everybody else and Emma Bogard that have, that made that happen. And we just need to kick on now and get more concerts in next year. We need to people need to have confidence again in the football club and in the hotel that you know it is a stable ship again. They can book that you know they, they can take out corporate tickets and, and corporate suites for meetings and conferences and bring in that revenue and boost it so then they can make them changes like painting the stanchions and, and changing the carpets and because it does I mean the hospitality suite we sat in was was very very dated um, it does need bringing back to life which, which one again, was that if you don't mind me asking um, the, is it what's the one on the the second floor is it the platinum suite the right house the, the, the open one we were in that one ah, okay, um, yeah and the carpets were just, you know, the carpets was all the logo, but with with, with the ribbon on. Oh yeah, the windows were all the ribbon one, which that we've not had that logo for a few years. But they will change that, and it's things like that that we th- we take for granted whenever you change a logo or a kit maker that the seats will change and everything. But it all costs money, and and then you know, like, like someone said at the start of the show, that they're, they're gonna they're gonna pay the creditors off, which is not their debt, it's not their bill, um, it's 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 that previous. I don't want to swear, but it's that previous idiot that should have been paying them. But you know they're prepared, prepared to get that sorted and get that. All right, previous prick then. Um, <laughs> prepared to get that sorted. So you know it's a breath of fresh air. I think they've they've come in, they've saved us, and I think it's been every decision they've made so far has been you know with the club's best interests at heart and not their own. And that's that that really is great to see considering what we've been through for the past three years. Yeah, definitely. Tom, any thoughts on that with the ownership and whatever and what needs doing and, and sort of what what sort of an impression they're making? I liked um, I liked Sharon's interview a lot. Um, I thought she came across very, very well. Um, Emma, Bo- Emma Bogey came across relatively well last night. I, I mean, you know my thoughts on the when, when asked the question, you know, can you promise that there will be financial stability at Bolton? You know, that nothing like a countless scenario. She didn't say yes. She said some good things, but she didn't say yes. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm for, after being burnt so badly by that, I just would have liked to blunt yes and then move on. But, uh, you know, we can't, we can't have everything. 
Um, I think they're, they clearly are very, very capable business people. Michael James has got the club close to his heart, which is always helps, always helps. And um, I think Dan's right, you know, they, they're getting us back to normal, if you know what I mean, that, that we are a normal football club running in a normal way now. You know, there's not the ridiculous fanfare that goes on in the media about, oh, they've not paid their wages on time, they've not got a kit, they've not got X, Y and Z. They are getting us back to normal and that is exactly what we need. I don't need us to be, you know, tearing up the league or throwing cash at anything. I want a club to support like I did, you know, sat here watching the game on TV or unable to make the game, you know, watching that my football team against another football team and performing and just not having to worry about anything else. And for that, I thank them absolutely from the bottom of my heart. Even though they could have done beginning it that a bit sooner, but we'll leave that. What we'll a, leave that for what an know, inspirational speech, Thomas. How inspirational! Lucy, what are your thoughts on them? They've they've come across nothing but well to me. I mean, it, they just seem like they want again. They want the club to feel like this big happy family, and that they're in it for all the right reasons. Um, They've not said a ridiculous amount, but they've not said nothing at all, which again I think is a good balance because we had too much from Ken and then nothing from the previous regime before that. Uh, so I, I think they're just really getting this season's just about them getting to grips with things. They don't want to make too many promises. Uh, they don't want to give too much away or say that things are going to get done too quickly because I don't think they know that. They don't know when things are going to get done. It's it's a very long process to get everything right. And as you've said, uh, there's more important things to think about at the minute uh, with just trying to get a few points on the board and make sure that we're financially stable for the short term, if anything. So... No, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great point, you mate. James, any, anything to add to that? You know, just to finish us off on that point. Um, well, well, I'm pretty sure I just echo everyone's everyone's sentiments in that. From what, from at least everything I've heard, I, I've not really, I've not heard the Emma Borgard stuff, so I can't comment on her. But, um, but everything with Sharon, um, she came across really well, and that she sounds passionate. And to be fair, even, and to be fair, even if they weren't passionate about, you know getting the club back together or whatnot, keeping the community spirit alive. At the end of the day, they, they were clean business men and women with with strong, good track records at, at being successful in business. And even if they hadn't come uh, come, to, come and taken over this club with the best interest in with the best interest and the community interests at heart, I still think they would they'll do a successful job because they because purely because they know what they're doing and they've proven that with their track record. Like, like when Tom was saying with um, uh, with uh, Emma, like how she said how he's a bit wary that she didn't give a straight answer. To that to be honest, I'm kind of glad because I'd rather have their their actions do the talk do the talking. You can leave the talking to Keith Hill and David Flitcroft in the interviews, but in behind the scenes, I just want them to focus on implementing whatever plan that they've got for Bolton Wanderers and making sure that they do build us up to be back to a successful, hopefully profitable base from now on and all that and all that sort of stuff so Definitely. yeah 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 the little bits will need to be taken care of eventually and 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 even though personally i did think they did they slipped up with the kit no no business people are 100 percent successful in anything that they do so they so they can afford that because they've done the rest of the stuff the, and the, arguably the more important stuff so well so far so yeah, yeah. i'm really happy with 
what they, what they produce so far and long may it continue definitely I, I think there's a good point in there as well you know you're talking about you've they've got a you know a, pro, a proven business uh you know background and what have you and i think you know they, they they've got a really really good balance uh, of you know being business businessmen and women and and also you know having the club's best interests at heart because i know you know in the times of uncertainty we we're a little bit concerned as to whether you know the the, the business aspects of it were going to outweigh you know what their interests were in the club and and whether they they cared about how well they do and i think you know between all, all three parties involved and i think they've done an excellent job of finding a good balance with that and and like dan dan said most prominently you know that the little bits will follow that that need taking care of particularly around the ground and what have you and i i think you know the way that they've got off to got off to a good start with with business and and, and sort of creating a, a, a solid squad compared to, to what we started off with and sort of just getting a, a rejuvenated feel around the ground again it's just excellent i, I just it's all just good vibes that I think I get from them all, and and, and hopefully this is the beginning of the, of the start of, uh, of something new that you know we, we can look forward to it, and hopefully look to to build on and and, and go up the leagues uh, in in time, obviously. But um, you know it is something that we we obviously seem to be to be able to look forward to more more prominently than we have done uh, in in recent times. But anyway, I think I think that sort of covers everything that I had on my list. Um, other than the fact that I think we'll now go to some Twitter questions. Um, we asked obviously for, for your input at the, the very start of the evening, and uh, obviously for, for ourselves on the panel and and for, and for the site in general. Uh, so we've had quite a few responses. Um, I think for, from ourselves included. Lisa, we'll start with yours because I think I, I think there's probably a story behind yours in itself. Fire away with that one. Obviously, you've said why why have you got a woman on? They don't belong in football. <laughs> Come on, what, 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 what's, the, what's the context in that? Just tongue and cheek, just tongue and cheek. It's a usual question that you get asked from people who don't like you. So, <laughs> uh, I think our no, fans are relatively I, inclusive, I quite, actually. I was quite shocked to hear you've not had a girl on before with us having the likes of uh, Neve and quite a few female followers. So get a few more of us on here because there's plenty of us about who uh, watch... Well, there's there's a lot more actually who watch a lot more than I do these days, so I'm sure you'd get a few on. Yeah, definitely. We've tried we, in the past with Neve actually. So, it's... Will just doesn't want them on. Oh, shut sure <laughs> up! <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good answer, Lucy. Well done. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't repeat what James has replied to you. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll go, we'll go to a, an actual football-related question, uh, which is uh, Chris Mills. He said, "If come January, we're two cast adrift to survive." Do you think we'll start assembling a squad for League Two? It would be nice to go into pre-season only needing the odd addition rather than a whole new squad and having a team who know each other from the off. Now I know we had a little bit of a debate about this once again in the chat before with uh, with our very own Liam Mira, um, and I know Dan, you sort of touched on it briefly as well in terms of you know what we can expect from January and, and perhaps going into next season whether we survive or not. You know what we can expect in terms of building a, a squad or, or whether we'll just you know leave the ones on a short-term contract to to leave as and when they. they, they feel you know necessary uh, you know it'd be interesting to see what sort of a, uh, an approach they, they they take in January uh, as to whether you know I'm, I'm sure it'd be very much dependent on where we are in the league um, but you know yeah. it'd be interesting to see whether we make any signings or not in January I think that the contracts they've, they, they've brought people in on short-term contracts and, and loans till January I think they've they've set it up for exactly that I think we're going to assess where we are in December and January and then cut our cloth accordingly as to what league we think we'll be in um, I don't think that we, we we need to be giving people longer than six months, twelve months contracts uh, in, in in some respects because we don't know where we're going to be at, at, at this stage uh, next season. So I wouldn't 
you know, we need to learn from our history where we've offered people long-term contracts and it's crippled us. So in January, if we can retain Verlinden and, and Bridcut and, and Murphy and people like that to the end of the season, regardless of what league we're in, then fantastic. But if we have to start building and it's all down to what Keith and Flicker and the board want to do, if you want to start building for League Two, if that looks like the way we're going to be, then that's that's what will happen. But I think given the, uh, the contracts that were given and, and the loans we brought in, that all seem to be concurrent to January, with the exception of one and two. I think that that's what they've they've set up for. Definitely, um, yeah. I, I think it, there's there's several takes in terms of how how you could how you could see it, you know as to whether you know if we if we felt as if we were preparing for League Two, would we try and keep hold of any? Would we just let them go if if they feel that they're a standard above or? Or whether they were right, a right fit for Lee too, you know, we'll just have to see. Um, Sorry, can I interject? Of course you can, James. Um, Go ahead. Uh, the, Jan- the January loan thing isn't concurrent to any plans. It's the fact that because we're, we're under a transfer embargo, we can only register loan players up until January. It's, oh, it's okay. nothing to do with any plans. No, like Nobody likes a slash, James. Yeah, I know, I know. But to be fair, you still brought up a really good point regarding it, regarding these January players, like the the rights, the bridge cuts, the whatnot, because they are obviously players brought in to try and keep us in League One. But uh, let's say result, but let's say for example, results don't pick up. We are start, starting to look cast adrift from from our rivals around the bottom, relegation rivals around the bottom. Then, and we can start to plan for that even though I hate saying that because I think that's planning for failure but um yeah but yeah I'm sure I'm sure they'll have a can they'll have a contingency plan for if they go to League Two but everybody they've brought in suggests to me that they really want to stay in League One and I can't blame them and regarding how they how Sharon and that come across they all come across as really positive people. I think even in the January window when we'll start to get that even if we are seemingly starting to become significantly adrift of our competition. I still think they'll try and bring in players to try and keep us in that vision because they just and keep things positive, keep things moving forward. They can plan for League Two when it's all dead and certain that we are going to be in that league. But for now, I, I think they should just stay the current course, even around January, and just keep planning to try and stay in League One and build from there. Definitely, yeah. I think we should try and keep the, a similar squad as possible. You know, I, I've, I've talked about it previously about how, how important I think it is to. To keep it, it, it sort of the, the same side as much as possible, uh, you know. Despite fitness woes, I think that that's potentially the way forward. Though I could be be proven massively wrong here with, with the track record in the past, but who knows? Um, and I, but I, th- I think specifically the likes of Bridcourt, who who now injured is, is is, you know, without taking his injury, you know, too lightly. I think it, it perhaps gives us a better chance of keeping him, you know, for, for the rest of the season. But we'll just have to see on that one. And I think. You know, come sort of no, end of November, beginning of December, we'll sort of have a clearer picture of of which league we're preparing for next season. Um, but Dan, did you have anything it's to say? An element of the philosophy as well. I think if certain players, you know, are bought into the philosophy and want to stay longer, then they will. But if there's certain ones that haven't, I think that you know, on the short term deals, we can say thanks very much, but you've not really bought into it. Um, yeah. So we, we we can ship them back out. I think it's it's all about creating that harmony and that. And that club that people want to be at and want to fight for the badge. Because I think in recent years, we've had players that have turned up and not wanted to be here that we, we, we've struggled to get rid of. So on the short-term contracts, you either buy in or you do one. It's as simple as that, I think. And I think that's what Hill and Flipcroft want. Um, I would have loved to have seen uh, Super Zach Clough back um, in the transfer window. But I think, you know, from an outsider looking in at Rochdale, he didn't really buy into the Hill and Flipcroft philosophy. Hence why he didn't get his game time. So... Mm-hmm. He, you know, 
he, 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 the thing with Hill is he's, he gives people opportunities, providing they follow his philosophy. He did it at Rochdale. You know, he's, he's got a proven track record of bringing people in and selling them on for a profit and giving youngsters the debuts like, like Matheson and Mendes Lang and people like that. But they have to buy into him. And if they don't buy into him, then unfortunately your, uh, your days are numbered. Definitely. I like that. Yeah, Lucy, do you have anything to add on that in terms of where, where you think we'll be come Christmas and and what sort of a, a tactic we'll take in the transfer window? Uh, I d- again, I don't, I don't like the planning for failure sort of thing, but I do feel like if coming coming into January, uh, we are really far adrift at the bottom. It'll be just a case of saving money and preparing for the next season. There'd be no point keeping players in who aren't of any value to us, uh, or they they want to be elsewhere, or they're not going to be any use in League Two. Uh, we could just release them and let them get on their way and and use the academy kids who will enjoy the development uh, and they'll play for the badge on the shirt no matter where we are in the league. So uh, I don't agree with planning for failure, but at the same time, there's, there'd be no point keeping any players on who aren't willing to stay with us and go into League Two. Definitely, you know, I think there's perhaps a few who think they're perhaps a little bit too, bit too, you know, too good for for League Two, and I, I wouldn't say that of any of them particularly. You know, I think it's well worth them having a crack at it, and and even if they are, you know, ranks above above that, then then they can get a move in January or whatever. But I think it is trying, it's worth trying to retain every, everyone that we can, and you know, if any of them want to walk away, then they can take it up with uh, with Keith Hill, who I'm sure will uh, will deal with it appropriately. Uh, but sort of keeping on the same sort of topic with uh, with, with, with things happening by Christmas, uh, Tommy Rothwell says, how many points do you think we'll have by uh, by Christmas? Now, this is an interesting one because I keep being asked at yeah, uni and at home or whatever as, as to how many, you know, whether we'll even hit positive points. I think by the end of the season, in fact, no, I'm not even going to go that far. By, by Christmas, I'm going to say we're going to have 10. I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether that's a bold move, but I, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Tom, what do you reckon? I, I would say what well, we're minus eight now. Yeah. Um, I would say twenty-eight points isn't twenty-eight. Twenty-eight points. Whoa! I think that's Are you sure. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're every game from now on. If, if we were playing from now till next year, we wouldn't get twenty-eight points. How many games have we got until Christmas? <laughs> Sort of, it might sound a bit sadistic, but I quite like the, the you know the, the not being able to tell what we're going to be on. You know, it, 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 it's a little bit exciting, you know, not sort of knowing 
how well we're going to be doing because I think one one win could completely kickstart a, a, a run of results, but you know it, it's so difficult to tell. So uh, yeah, uh, Dan, what do you reckon? I'm going to give you the politician's answer. I'm going to uh, be <laughs> diplomatic and say that if we're within touching distance, and by touching distance, I'm saying within six six to eight points of the the third bottom, I'd be I'd be happy because uh, then that gives us a fighting chance of staying up. Oh, okay, I when, like that answer. When when the um, extra six points, because I believe a friend of mine was with a contact at the EFL having uh, dinner a couple of weeks ago, and he told him that it's going to be a six-point deduction for the uh, the Brentford game. So when Rick Parry, as he called, gets his feet under the table, when that's going to hit, I don't know. So that could knock us back even further. So if that comes before January, who knows? But, you know, it's optimistic. You know, I've asked 18 points, 17 points is, is a big ask. Um, but you know, if we, if we do open the floodgates against Rochdale, providing we're within six to eight points, touching distance of third bottom, I think we've got a fighting chance of staying up. Um, but what that point total needs to be, I don't know. Only time will tell. I'm just going to hope that the AFL forget about the points deduction and are just clueless as ever, and just don't give it. But you know, we'll see. We got away with it for Brentford, didn't we? So I don't think we got away with it for Brentford. But it's I don't the think Brentford be... one. We're getting the six four. I think. Oh, is it? Is it that one? I don't even think we'll get six. I think we'll get three. I don't know. It's, I don't know what it's based on, to, to be make honest. an example of us, I think, don't we? I think that's it's what an absolute disgrace yeah. that it's taken this long, put it that yeah. way. Anyway, yeah. Lucy, with or without another points deduction, what do you think we'll be on at Christmas? Uh, ignoring the points, well, in fact, with or without the points deduction, I think if we, I'd just like to win half the amount of games we've got till Christmas. So if we have 10 games, uh, if we were to win five of them, I'd be happy with that as a progress from where we are at the minute. Yeah, no, I think that that would be a good indicator, and you sort of get a bit a better view of that. And I, I think with about five wins on the on the board, you should be not far off where Dan's saying in terms of being you know within reaching distance of of, of being sort of outside the relegation zone. But you know we'll have to see on that one. Uh, Chris Mills popping up again with another an, another essay. Uh, sorry, Chris. <laughs> He's saying provided Weir and Murphy aren't injured, we should have enough cover for Bridcut and Graham. Uh, without Buckley, we only have Politic and Valinden as natural wingers. Dudu, Darcy, Crawford, and King Arms could cover, but wouldn't mind Marshall coming in. What do you think? Is that is he referring to Ben Marshall? There, do you think? Yeah, the Ben Marshall thing, and I think he's also referring to uh, what we what we posted out regarding um, Gary O'Neill still being available. Whether we should bring him in with uh, Bridcut's injury? Yeah, possibly. I, I think Gary O'Neill be worth a shot, but I, I think he's got plenty of other interest and it, I, I don't know whether it'd be up his street or not I, mean, I know he, he still talks very highly of the club but just have to see whether he gets a better offer I suppose but I, I, I'm, I'm in no way mate you know thinking it's a certainty training with NK Dons isn't he I believe so, yeah. So that that could be his next destination. We'll just have to see. Uh, I think there's quite a few... Put it this way, though. If Ben Marshall's available, you take Ben Marshall. Yeah, you would, to be fair. Yeah, Um, especially if we've only got one squad space left. I think we need a winger more than we need a centre midfielder. Yeah, Chris Dickinson saying James Morrison could still do a job, he thinks. Is that the, is he's that not, the West Brom one? He's not the same type of player, I don't think, that, we need, that we'd need no, if we were going to replace no, Bridcup. I'm not and sure. Also, I'd say if Morrison is still knocking around, then the Championship club would be a lot more suited. I don't, I don't, I don't think he'd drop down to League One. His wage demands mm. might be a bit higher than us. But especially when he considered that he was at West Brom for the best part of 10 or so years, earning, what do we reckon, 15, 20k a week, probably? So. Yeah, around least, that, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I've I'm, I've sort of left this one towards the end because I'm not sure whether or not we sort of agreed not to sort of answer this earlier on. But uh, Mario says in January, can we release all younger squad players back to the under 23s and three three up slots for the January transfer window? Did we discount this uh, as it's I, I, not I the case? I think he's going. Well, I, I just like to answer his mis- misconception if he's listening. Um, the the those players like the King Himes, the Boons, the seniors. Um, they're not registered because they're registered down as scholars and they're not on a pro contract. They don't count towards the squad limit that we're currently on. So I think it's only out of the younger players that we've had, I think it's only Politic and Zuma who are under pro contracts. Edwards as well, if you still consider him a young player. But he's not a new contract, didn't he? So he'll be on professional terms. Yeah, that was very formal, James. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I hope they'd like to, I hope they'd relax this um, come January because I mean how long is this embargo going to last for? I don't know. We, we've I mean, been told it's for the season. I think. Right, just to keep an eye on us. But obviously with the injuries and stuff, you'd like to hope that we get a bit of special dispensation, mm-hmm. you know? Because we, you know, we've got three or four out. I know injuries are injuries, and if you're a City fan, you've heard it all week because they're eight points behind that they've got five or six out. But that's football. Um, but given you know the. The embargo we're under, it's an, it just seems like we're being punished for every single angle of the previous ownership. That's and, the uh, thing um, when we talk about the points deduction as well. I mean, for the love of God, which all we want is a fresh start and to yeah. have that kind of you know sort of damage hanging above us doesn't help yeah. in terms of rebuilding. Si- if we are going to get them, I'd sooner them hit us with everything this season. So we, we've we've got it all out of the way. If that means we have to drop down a league, then so be it. Because next year, then we, we we're a clean slate. We can, we can start again. But 100%. you know, I do agree that it's you know. It's October now. We didn't fulfil the fixture in May. It's a good six months nearly. And we've still not heard whether we're going to get sanctioned with anything. So they need to get their act together and, and decide what that is so then we can you know, cut our cloth and plan accordingly whether we're going to stay up or not. Definitely. And I've left this one to last as a bit of a light-hearted one. It's our very own Tom who says, why does James Jarvis constantly try and be like Wes? I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you two answer this. <laughs> <laughs> just a well, fight I, to the I, death I think now. Think James needs to stop based on Wes's response. He does that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is that is an arson threat there. So uh, you know, we, we do take those very seriously, Wes. No, we don't. I'm joking. Uh, but no, 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 we really don't. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's all the Twitter questions covered, and I think that's all the topics covered as well. Uh, so we're sort of coming to the end of the show here, guys. Um, so it's, it's been it's been a pleasure having you all on, as usual. And uh, thanks to, to Dan and Lucy for making their impromptu appearances as well. You're very welcome back on whenever you'd like. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure having you. Um, and just before we end, I think we're just going to go around and ask for your socials if you'd like to plug yourselves at all. Tom, I know you hate this question, but where can people find you? Uh, if they want to find me, I'm at TJRicko44. I don't tweet anything of interest unless it's derogatory towards yourself or James. Yeah, true. Uh, James, where, where can they find you? Uh, well, they can find me copying Wes at um, Real James Jarvis. <laughs> Good response. Yeah. Oh, by, by the way, James, derogatory means negative, just in case you <laughs> All that formal talk. I'm glad you that. explained that to Will. <laughs> Um, Dan, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, if people are that bored and that uh, stuck for something to do, you can find me at Dan Summer 16. Great stuff. And Lucy, where can they find you? Uh, unless you're going to be a potential future employer of mine, you can find me at LucyWay22, tweeting things that I probably shouldn't be tweeting. Good stuff. I like that so response. One of my tweets, I feel yeah, I mean, ju- just go to James for that one. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, and you I can... like to live life on the edge. <laughs> oh, Never say that again. 
Um, and you can find me. I live dangerously. Oh, Christ. Now you know I don't copy Wes. Oh dear. Um, and you can find me at WI1LG if you so like to, although a lot of what I tweet is absolute rubbish. Uh, and you can find all our ramblings on the Line of Suite website and on iTunes for the podcast, as well as Blog Talk, where, which is where this will be uploaded to, obviously. Um, and you can leave us a review on iTunes if you so wish. Five stars and nothing less. And I think that covers pretty much everything. So uh, if there's nothing else left to say, guys, and I think it's time to say goodbye. So say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, James. Goodbye, James. Goodbye, Dan. Ciao. Uh, goodbye, Lucy. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening. Set la vie.